You may open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The Lord has been speaking this word strongly to my heart in the past few weeks, perhaps month. And so it's a word that I find much needed in my life, not only as a reminder, but as a as an instructive word that speaks life into my everyday walk with Jesus. The word of God speaks this word of life that to me is a lot like filling up a cup of water. How many of you have ever went throughout a whole day without drinking anything? Anyone? Maybe a few, when you did a special fast or something. I'm not asking you necessarily to reveal that. Jesus said to do that in secret. But on a normal day, we drink, right? Why do you drink? Because your, wat, your body either sweats, absorbs, it releases water, and so we need to continually fill up our body with fluid. Christian could tell you a lot more about that because he's in the medical profession, but I don't know much about it, but I, I know I need water. And is, is it correct that our body is made of 70% of water? Pretty high. We have a lot of fluid, and yet we need to continue to put fluid in. And this is a lot how the Christian life, I find this word in my everyday life. Even though we experience the love of Christ, initially, that's what draws us to God. It's also what brings us into this relationship called love. He adopts us as His children. We are adopted into his family, Romans 8 tells us. And Galatians 4 says, And therefore we cry, Daddy, Daddy, because he gives us the spirit of adoption. And there's no stronger love, I believe, than adopted love. There's the natural love, yes. But adopted love is supernatural. It is something that only God can give to a human. Because it originates with God. God came up with the idea, otherwise none of us, or I don't know that there is a, actually a blood Jew sitting here among us. Maybe you are somewhere. But I think the majority of us have been adopted into God's family. Not through our natural birth, where we're born a Jew or a Hebrew. And so the whole new covenant is based on this promise of love. It's called adopted love. We have come into this relationship through that spirit. And that's why we can sit here today and freely and rightly call him dad. We have the right to do it. He's given us that right through this power of love. And yet I find when I try to walk every day as Ephesians 1 or Ephesians chapter 5 tells us to, to walk in love... What kind of love are you walking in today? What kind of love did you walk into this place with? We walked today. We're walking in love. Ephesians 5 says, 
Walk in love. Let's look at this word very quickly. It's a good word that I hadn't planned on sharing, but it's worth it. Turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Because it's the context of this word. Therefore, be imitators of God. How? How do you go about imitating God? Have you tried it? I try it regularly, ever since I've been adopted. I've been trying to imitate my dad, God. But there's something that sometimes I've missed in my endeavor to imitate him. And it's the security of knowing that I'm loved. I am absolutely, completely loved by my dad, no matter how well I imitate him or not that day. Look Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Knowing I've been adopted and He's my dad and He loves me as His child inspires me to imitate Him. And walk in love just as Christ also loved you. Reflected love is the glory of God's love. Outside of that, it's only human love. It comes from my own ability. But reflected love, love that comes and pours into my heart and I get to just reflect it like a mirror to the sun and it shines on those around me is glorious love. It's the only kind of love that reflects the glory of God's nature. His very divine nature flows through that kind of love. Outside of that, The best we got is the love that we've been commanded to love in the Old Covenant. God began commanding people with these two commandments, right? Exodus chapter 20. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second command is like it. What was it? Love your neighbor, how? As yourself. That's the best we got. I can only love you as I love myself. And that love is only natural. It's actually very selfish. It comes from how I love myself. That's the gauge of how I should love you. A selfish love. But Jesus made it super clear to us in John. Look at this word in John chapter 14, I think it is. In John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Backing up, um, that wasn't quite the verse that I wanted. In chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. And this was brand new. The world had never heard these words before. It was a brand new command. They had heard the old covenant words. They grew up listening to that. But this command was brand new. Coming from the mouth of the divine one. Jesus, the son of God. God himself. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Not as you love yourself anymore. 
But now that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this love, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have this love for one another. Do you understand the difference? The one is a reflected love of divinely being divinely loved and adopted into God's family. This had never happened before. God had a family which He had chosen through Abraham as His natural family. Outside of that, unless you joined that family, you were not a part of the family of God. Paul made that very clear to both in Colossians and Ephesians. You who were once strangers and foreigners and aliens, he called them. That's a strong word. An alien. That means you don't belong here. You have no right to be here. You're a foreigner. We've just come from Europe uh, a few weeks ago, our family, and I, I, I got this feeling again as we traveled through what was it, uh, six different countries, and even just landing in the airport for a few hours, you clearly felt like a foreigner. And there was something about it when we landed back in Denver. It was like we went through customs and we had U.S. passports, and the guy looks at us and says, Welcome home. I felt at home. Even though this is not my spiritual country, it's my natural country. And you felt the difference, not just the language difference, but the cultural difference and the legal difference. We were foreigners over there. And to come home and be in your own country, had us, it gave us a feeling of, a sense of, this is, this is where I belong. This is my country. But that's just the natural. How much stronger the spiritual to know that you are at home in God's country with God's people. Our citizenship is now in heaven. That love, my dear brothers and sisters, is the love that Apostle Paul was speaking about in Romans chapter 8 when he said, I am persuaded nothing can separate me from this love that I am loved with. The love of Christ. Not even death. As strong as death is. As severe and separating as death is. It cannot separate me from the love of Christ. Unless our souls are anchored into this. The rest of what I'm going to share with you is worthless. Pack it up and go home or go out and get a cup of coffee. You'll be just as well off. Maybe not. Perhaps... The scripture will be fulfilled today in your ears where faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So hang around on second thought. Stay here. You might, just might, be infused with greater faith than what you walked in these doors with. A faith that will lead you into the depths of Christ's love for you. And if you've been out in the shallow waters... Kind of, you know, up to your ankles, like that vision that Ezekiel seen, where the Spirit took him into the river and he was only ankle deep. You're not very wet, only ankle deep. But then he took him out to where it came to his thighs, and eventually he was swimming. There was 
no way to put your foot on the bottom. You lost your footing and now you're swimming in the depth of his love. The only thing holding you up is the water, is his love supporting you. If all the water were gone, you'd drop to the sand. And that's to experience the love of Christ that takes us through any experience in life. There is nothing in life that can separate you from being his beloved child. And you know it. You're secure. As Ephesians 3, Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He said, I pray that you would be rooted and grounded in this love. So that you can, with all the saints, know the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. It's an indestructible life, this love is. In 1 Corinthians 13, here we come back around. I went on a rabbit trail like Josh says I'm good at doing. 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 13. But now abide faith, hope, love. These three are pillars of life. But the greatest of these is love. The center is love. The greatest, the strongest, most supportive is love. Hebrews speaks of this indestructible life in Hebrews chapter 7. I want to just take your mind and your thoughts that way because, again, speaking of this, it's only a reflected love. I'm finding in my Christian life and as I walk in this love every day, The very strength of this love comes from a source outside of me. It doesn't come from within. It's not something that we begin to purpose in our heart and this is what I'm going to do. It's simply coming to God, my waking moment and even in my dreams at night, having this dependency upon Him and this asking Him, seeking Him, saying, Lord, fill me again with this Love, take my cup. And even though I know I'm in your hand, fill again with fresh water. And as I drink that fresh water, it floods my body. It fills my body. It sustains my life that day. This is what Jesus came to do. And in Hebrews chapter 7, he's speaking of the ministry of Jesus In verse 1, how that he is similar to Melchizedek in only this sense, that the king, this strange king, who was with Abraham and rewarded Abraham after Abraham came and delivered him out of his enemies. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around this king Melchizedek, but he says he had neither beginning or end of days. And this is how Christ, the Holy Spirit is telling us, reflects this king. Verse 15 of chapter 7. And this is clearer still, if another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such not on the basis of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. 
That's Jesus. He's been made my high priest according to the power of an indestructible life. And I like the word in the King James where he says, according to the power of an endless life. There is no end. I was reading in Daniel this morning, speaking of the kingdom of Christ, which will come, which now has come. And this is the gospel that Jesus began his whole ministry. The first sermon he began to preach was, repent for the kingdom of God has come. This kingdom now, the beauty, the most amazing thing about the kingdom of Christ is this, it has no end. It's endless. In my life, in your life, there's no end. Of the priesthood, Jesus ministry to us. And I found in my life that sometimes I've, I've acted as if there is an end. As if one day he does it, the next day he doesn't. But the word of God says differently. It, there is no end. 4, verse 17, it is witnessed of him, thou art a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is setting aside of former commandments because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. The better hope is a hope that has no end of Christ's ministry towards me and to you. Verse 22, So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. So I want to ask you something. Are you the guarantee of God's better covenant? Or is He? Who are you looking at to guarantee this promise of love? This promise of adopted love. Who are you looking at to guarantee it? Your performance today? How well you did yesterday? How well you think you'll do tomorrow as his child? Or are you looking to him who is the promise of it? He's the guarantee of that. You see, for us, adoption is real precious and really alive in our home. And the boys know that real well. But if they were to look at themselves at any given day as the guarantee for this whole life, it would be a very unstable love. It would be based solely upon how well they please us. But how secure do you think they would feel in Katie and I's love? They wouldn't feel very secure. As soon as they do bad, they would probably ask us, are you going to get rid of me today? Are you going to ship me off to some other home? But if they keep looking at us and our promise of love, and we signed it, we signed it in front of the judge, in front of the courthouse, it's been done legally. But that doesn't even guarantee it. The legal process itself is not the communication of the guarantee that could be undone. The communication of the guarantee is my love, our love to them on an everyday basis. Every day. Me, 
communicating, us communicating, relating, having them experience the kindness and the goodness of that love. Now ours is only a reflected love. We've only, we're only reflecting what God has called us to reflect. But God is love. It's not, thank you brother. Amen. It's not a reflective love. It's pure. It's divine. It's ceaseless. It's unending. And Christ is the guarantee of it. His ministry to you and I faithfully every day, even when we're unfaithful, He remains faithful, Timothy tells us. How many times do you think that Christ is exercising this ministry to you on a daily basis? Verse 24, But He, Jesus, on the other hand, because He abides forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Hence, because of this, also he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him. Why? How does he save you forever? Unending. Listen. Since he always lives to make intercession for them, That intercessory power and divine love into my life is the seal of our love. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. The Holy Spirit now communicating that to us, that intercession which Romans 8 tells us the Holy Spirit makes for us without words, groanings which cannot even be put into words. The Holy Spirit is making intercession for us to God. Christ's divine intercession. You know, He commands us to love just like He loved us. Yet, he understands our frailty. And so when Jesus said, forgive each other 490 times a day, and in Luke chapter 9, I think it is, Jesus said, there are 12 hours in a day. He's only asking us to forgive each other like maybe every minute and a half or so. But do you understand how many seconds are in that minute and a half? Christ lives always to make intercession. There's not even one second of your life that Jesus is not making intercession for that thought that went through your head. And that's why this is the only reason that we can experience these amazing words in Jude. Look at these words. That's not the, that, that, that's a good word there in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Nope, it's in verse 24. It's also in Peter, but verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to make you stand in the presence of His glory. Blameless. Without any blame. You and I can stand all day long in this presence of His glory without any blame. It's because of His intercession, the ministry of His unceasing priesthood to you and I. That makes that possible. And that's why the fulfillment of that word is with exceeding joy. Jesus is not only doing this and being begrudging about it. Well, I guess I'll forgive you again. There she goes again. You may not have to do it again. No. He does this ministry with exceeding joy. The joy that was set before Him, that gave Him the endurance of the cross, Hebrews 12 tells us. And that joy, Jesus said in John 16, I give to you that joy of His ministry of intercession. So it's this love, dear brothers and sisters, that gives you and I an indestructible life. It's the only one, this ministry. So please, my dear brother, sister, if you are tempted, when you are tempted to look at yourself and your own performance in this relationship, just look up. Take the eyes of your faith off of your own life and put it upon Jesus. And your life will be infused with this living water, eternal water of life that Jesus told the woman at the well, those who drink will never thirst again. There's nothing to match this living water, meaning you'll continually need that living water, but you'll never thirst for anything else again. The things of this life, your taste buds are ruined forever for the things of this life. Once you've tasted of the goodness of the Lord. The boys and I were watching a, a documentary movie about a true story. I don't know. Did it say what year this happened, boys? Of the school shooting? I don't remember. It was in Wyoming. And there was this crazy guy who came into, he was a genius, you're right. But he really was crazy. Came in to an elementary school. Cockville. With a bomb. A really big bomb. Strapped to himself. And he made all the teachers gather all the kids, 99 of them, into one room. And he said if they don't obey, he, had, he was armed with lots of guns. He had a helper. His wife. So he's going to blow up the school. Yeah, his daughter ran out. And the, the testimony of this story is, the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them. Now there are testimonies, and they clarify this. There are times when it went differently and the Lord took little children home to be with him. But in this story, the Lord decided to protect 
every one of these little souls. That's what made the difference. These, every one of these children were interviewed later. And even though the bombs went off, everything went straight up. And the children said they'd seen a circle of angels around this man. And these angels also led some of the children out when the bombs did go off. And the most amazing miracle stories, not one person died that day. Some were shot, but no one died. The crazy man shot himself, and his wife actually blew up right by the bomb. This is exactly, dear brother, sister, what saves you and I's life. If we look into our own strength to try to save us out of the hand of the enemy, the devil, out of the hand of the power of our own flesh or the world, we're going to blow up. There is no, there is no way possible. A very interesting thing happened. All seven of the police officers of this little town were out of town that day. And the testimony was given from the one, from the sheriff's perspective. His two children were in that schoolroom. And he didn't really, he believed in God, but he had a lot of, a lot of callousness in his relationship towards God. And he, is, he was processing this and investigating the accident. He said, you know, surely if I would have been there, I would have ran into that room with my, with my co-workers and we would have blown that guy, to, we would have shot him. And the whole place would have blown up because the moment you, he had it arranged to the point that if, if someone killed him, it would pull the trigger. He said, if we would have done it with our own strength, tried to save that school, we would have killed everybody. And the Lord ministered this truth so strongly to my heart. Phil, if you try to love even humanly love my people or shepherd your family or try to love me in just a human way, you're going to blow it up. The only able, the only one who is able is the Lord Jesus Christ and His ministry of priesthood making intercession for you and I before the Father every second of our life. And I believe the moment that the Lord takes us and causes us physically to stand in His glory, in that glorious presence, blameless, we'll know without a doubt it is not by works of righteousness that I've done that I deserve to stand here blameless. It will only be because of His ministry of intercession in my life. And we will give Him glory that will be absolutely unadulterated, pure glory from our heart and praise will erupt up where there is no boasting in anything except Jesus and His glorious ministry in my life. And this can be your and I experience today and every day if our eyes are fixed upon Him. And we see this glorious ministry. And our faith is there. And that faith abides. That faith is fed continually from hearing the word of Christ. Romans chapter 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. 
And that great salvation flows into our lives and it supersedes any understanding that we may have about it. Because it's spiritual and it's revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And that faith gives us hope. A hope that doesn't make us shed, make us ashamed. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, This hope, let's turn to it. I don't want to misquote it. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It is an undisappointed hope because the love of God sheds it abroad in our hearts. And it's a hope that endures. It's not a hope that is just a wishful thought. It's the hope that Abraham had. In Romans chapter 4, he tells us that Abraham had a hope that believes against hope. That means there is no more earthly hope. It's done. You can't do it. And it's over. And then that hope rises up in your heart. And it causes things which are not to exist. That faith of your eyes looking upon Jesus in the moment of your greatest failure or your greatest victory, however you want to gauge it, but keeping your eyes on Him. That faith and that hope has an endurance. And it's a life-changing hope. According to 1 Corinthians 15, He tells us, if we had hope in this life, we would be of all men most to be pitied. That's right. I like how the King James says it again. We'd be of all men most miserable. Maybe that's why so many Christians are so miserable. Their hope is fixed on something temporal which will cease to exist. It's not fixed on this everlasting ministry of Jesus. And so as they struggle through life, as they battle the enemy and the flesh and the world, their hope keeps changing. Instead of being anchored into Jesus Christ and His unceasing ministry in your life, no matter what happens, even in death. This hope brings us the righteousness of Christ That's what it did to Abraham in Romans chapter 4. Because he believed, it brought him, it was counted to him as righteousness. And it gives us a hope of eternal life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at the difference and what it does with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, We'll begin in verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is wordless. Let's just sit down and go home. Whatever we're doing right now, I'm wasting your time if Christ hasn't been raised. Your faith, whatever you do believe about Jesus, it's worthless. It's vain. You're spinning your wheels and digging a hole. It's just what the agnostics or the atheists tell us it is. 
Nice for you. Prop yourself up with that nice feeling. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God. We're liars. Because we witnessed against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. But if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. You haven't been forgiven. Every sin will still be there the moment you die, and you'll be found guilty. Then those also who have fallen asleep, have died in Christ, have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we're of all men most to be pitied. What a pitiful life. Right? Even if it props us up and causes us to feel good and do good in this life, if it ends with this life, what a pity. If you still stand before the Lord the moment you die and all your sins are held against you, what a pity. And you perish. What a waste. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. You continue to read through this chapter. And you're, if your faith is connected to these words dear brother sister as hebrews 4 tells us don't let hear the word of christ and keep your faith on the floor but if your faith rises up and grabs a hold of these words and you believe it with your heart you confess it with your mouth you'll experience this salvation verse 43 it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also as it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven, as is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. And listen to these beautiful words. And just as you look like your dad, John, I think you do a little. So also we shall bear the image of the heavenly. We look like our parents. We reflect their image, many of us. It's quite natural. So also you shall bear the image of your heavenly Father through the power of His love, His adopted love, and through the constant ministry of Jesus Christ. We shall bear the image of the heavenly. And 1 John chapter 3 tells us that Every man that has this hope in himself, he purifies himself even as he is pure. I don't know what your motive is, dear brother, sister, for purifying your love, your heart, and your life 
in Jesus Christ. But if it's any less than this, if it comes through self-determination or self-love or wanting to impress men, it's going to blow up on you. It's going to explode. It'll leave you hopeless and defeated and discouraged. But if as a beloved child, you begin to walk in His love and then reflect that love into your family and to others, that love has the enduring, endless, indestructible power of Jesus Christ. And even though it's never returned to you in this life, it keeps persistently loving. Even though it never returns. In fact, that's the glory of it. Jesus said, if you love others just so they can love you back, you're no better than the heathen. But the difference that we're known to be Jesus' disciples is this endless, persistent love that doesn't seek its own, that isn't wanting something from it. It gives because it reflects. It gives because it receives. And that's how we walk in that love. It can only give as it receives. So be encouraged today. If you've looked at your life and you've seen you need more love, the Lord Jesus is already loving you. He's standing at this very second making intercession for you so that you and I can grow in that love, grow in the knowledge, grow in the comprehension, grow in our giving and expressing that love. I needed that. I really needed it bad. I don't know if you sense your need as you walk through the day, as you walk through the week, as you walk through the months or the years, but I do. And I realized I'm really coming short of reflecting, of giving, loving just as He loved. Now, if you're going to gauge me, on loving how I love myself, I'm doing pretty good. But if you're going to gauge me at how He loves me, I might as well quit. Because I'm not, I'm not doing very well. And then my eyes look up. And I see that He is not only loving me, at who I am today. But he's making it possible for me to love more like he loves me from this moment on, through the rest of this day and tomorrow. And as I draw near to him with that faith, he changes me. His very divine nature grows. His influence called grace gets greater and greater into my heart and into my life. And I'm not even really taken up with how well I'm doing to my sons or my wife. I'm taken up with how much he's loving me today. And the outflow just flows out. And that which has been discouraging me now isn't even in focus. It doesn't really matter. There's only one thing that matters is that he is my intercessor, my high priest, and he will never quit. He stands making intercession 
And that ministry is the power of an endless life, indestructible life. It's only when you and I begin to draw away from that ministry and turn our backs and walk away that that life, that grace is diminished in our hearts and lives. Dear Father, thank you for your, the power of your adopted love. I pray today, fill our cups, Lord. Fill these vessels with that divine, heavenly influence again. We need it, Lord. You know how much we need it. Oh, flush out all of the self-reliant, independent, pride, arrogant spirit and give us the grace that we so desperately need to reflect your glorious image to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.